Please turn in your Old Testaments to Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. We're going to toggle over to that sister book of Lamentation, Jeremiah. And this is one of those needlepoint verses. You know, one of those uh, that somebody has, uh, what's the other one? Crochet? I don't know what it's called. You know how they put a verse in, in thread. Uh, a lot of people have this on their wall. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. There was once a man sent from a very small country to Washington, D.C., to be an ambassador. In fact, this country was so small that very few people in our nation's capital even knew much about this country. And the United States is a pretty good uh, com- country to have trade relations with. So this small little country sent this man out to establish diplomatic relations, um, sent him a, a bunch of money. And after one week, this newly minted ambassador wired back home and asked for five times the amount of money that they had sent to him. And and it was a year later before they realized exactly where all that money had gone. Here's where it went. He, um, He checked into a hotel when he first got there to to kind of get a lay of the land. And he thought he'd just kind of stay in a hotel down in the District of Columbia for a couple weeks. And the first week, um, he just kind of watched television. You know, he watched the news. He could not believe how crime-ridden the District of Columbia was. He was terrified to go outside. And for that first week, he also, every night, watched American network television and cable television. He could not believe how perverted Americans were. And then on Sunday, he watched all the political Sunday talk shows and he could not believe how nakedly political and corrupt the, uh, the politicians were there. And so what he did was he, he got this, this big sum of money and he, he went out and bought a five-acre parcel of land over an hour from the District of Columbia Columbia out in uh, Virginia, and he built a, a fairly modest home with an enormously thick and high fence with barbed wire on top and guards that he paid to, uh, to post guard on that wall. And from that place of separation and from that place of safety, he watched satellite television every night, all the shows from his homeland that he loved so much. He decided to skip Capitol Hill and to skip the White House because those people could just have their politics. He would simply show them what a respectable person from his country looked like by being a respectable person from his country. And they would automatically see the difference and want to be like him and therefore want to be like his country. There were never any agreements made, trade or otherwise. No diplomatic relationship was established for his country. What is wrong with this story? What is wrong with this story? That's not the role of ambassadors. 
in the world, but not of the world. That is the issue here. And I think maybe there's a larger question underneath that we need to address as followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. And that is, does God actually want us in the world at all? He does. In fact, verse 7 of Jeremiah 29 is one of the most clear directions for us to be in the world for God's kingdom's sake and his glory's sake and the the sake of the people around us that we have in the entire Bible. But you know, there's there's another question. If we've answered that one, yes, he wants us in the world. And this is a question that we don't answer and you kind of need the scriptures to know how to even ask it. Y'all do realize that having the right answers is predicated on knowing what the questions are. The Holy Scriptures don't just give us answers. They teach us what the right questions are. And and the question is, from our text, is whether God's blessing is actually intended for those who meaningfully represent Him as ambassadors in the world. In other words, whether it is actually against God's will to not engage this world and whether God's blessing actually is upon those who care about God's world and are willing to actually function as ambassadors and not live behind that big thick, thick, thick fence an hour away from where people are. There are three things I want to show you from Jeremiah 29, and we will get to verse 11, I promise. And you can just write these down. God is saying in this text, settle down. Listen up and look forward. Settle down right here. Listen up to God and look forward to what he's going to do. And, and, and the first is this, this other famous passage in our text, verse 7, settle down. Um, they want to pack up, right? You, you know where they are. This is actually a letter. If you, if you look at Jeremiah 29, if you've got the scriptures in front of you, look at verse 1. It says, this is a letter sent from Jeremiah to the exiles in Babylon. That's where our connection, we've been looking at, the, at Lamentations, kind of a, a postcard from the aftermath of the destruction of Jerusalem and the exile. This is a letter from Jeremiah the prophet from God to the exiles in Babylon and they want to pack up and they want to get out of there as quickly as possible that terrible secular city and not only is it a terrible secular city but in Psalm 137 sing us the songs of Zion actually taunting believers I'm sure we don't worry about that at all in our culture They want to get out of there. They want to get away from there as fast as possible. But this is what the Lord God says, beginning in verse 4 of Jeremiah 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here it is. Build houses. Live in them. Plant gardens. Eat the produce of them. 
Take wives there. Have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage there that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Verse 7. This is the other famous verse. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on behalf of that city Babylon for in its welfare you will find your welfare that's pretty intriguing isn't it it's one of those good news bad news scenarios for Israel um, the good news is is I'm going to bring you out God, God, God is saying in Jeremiah 29, look, I sent you to Babylon. You're in exile. Exile meaning away from somewhere else, and that would be Jerusalem. I'm going to bring you out. So you don't, have, you don't need to worry about whether I'm going to bring you out. That's the good news, to live with me in my city, Jerusalem. The bad news is I'm not bringing you out for 70 years. <laughs> meaning... Most all of you will die in Babylon. And your children and your grandchildren will be brought out. And you are to not sit there in Babylon wishing you were not there every day. You're never going to leave Babylon to the adults said here. You will find purpose in Babylon. You will worship me in Babylon. You will know me in Babylon. And you will make a difference for me in Babylon. Seventy years kind of reminds me of of psalm 90 you know god says to to us you know i'm going to take you out we're going home i got a city the the holy city the new jerusalem the city of god i got a place reserved for you there i got a mansion with your name on it but i'm not taking you out for 70 years three score and ten or more if you have the strength no you're going to die here and the question is, what are you going to do while you're living here until the Lord takes you out? And that's not just about this old world, you know, and I'm going to leave this old world and I'm going to go to heaven one day. But this is about God having us in a specific place at a specific time because he, quote, sent us there. The book of Acts says that God knew the places and the exact times in which we would live in various places. So there is purpose where God has placed you right now. And he is, in call he is calling you and I as his followers to invest here. To invest here, to build, to plant, to marry, to have children, to give our children in marriage. Seek the prosperity of the place where I've sent you. It turns out that seeking the prosperity of the greater Jackson area for us 
is one of the very keys to this prosperity, this welfare that we so as Americans crave right now for our own lives. Verse 7, for in its welfare where I've sent you, you seek the welfare for it in its welfare will be your welfare. Your blessing will be tied to whether you bless the place where you are. Just waiting to leave ain't no way to live. And I'm talking about people that say, oh, this life doesn't matter. This life does matter. And the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Just waiting to leave is no way to live, even if it's Babylon, (laughs) the great. And they wanted to leave more than anybody's ever wanted to leave a small town. Anybody's ever wanted to leave a city. They wanted to leave. But God says, settle down, build, plant, marry, multiply. Be all there. And could I just say that also now, it's weird to say this. I would have never said this when I was first ordained as a minister. That actually means don't live in fairy tale land either. You don't live on the internet. The internet's not an address. Virtual life is not equal to life where God has sent you to bless and seek the prosperity of that place. And we need to know that as Christians because we tend to think, you know what? What I want to do is kind of get away from all this. They can have their politics just like that ambassador. They can have their this. They can have their that. I got my own Christian network. I got my own Christian bubble. And if there aren't but three of them in front of me, I got 3,000 of them online. And I don't need to know my neighbor's names. I don't need to know the people that work next down to me. I don't need to even know what that new business is and what they even do. Does it even matter? Yes, says Jeremiah 29, 7. I love the Jackson area. But even if I didn't, God is saying that believers should dream of the kingdom coming. You get called as a missionary to some place where they don't speak your language, they don't eat your food, and things don't smell right. You may not like it. But the one thing you know as a missionary, don't you, is that you are to dream kingdom dreams for those people to be included in the number, to those people to be adopted by God, for those people and the nations from that place that you have been sent to to worship the Lord God, to know His peace, to know His love. And isn't that what missionaries do? Missionaries, ambassadors, kind of the same thing in a different, in a different kind of way. Now, we, we, we are being challenged in this passage to dream some kingdom dreams about right here where God has put us. And you know, when the kingdom of God comes, it's not just a matter of people getting saved. It is a matter of people getting saved, but it's not just a matter. It, it is also a matter of the weightier matters of the law. We, we learn justice, love, and mercy coming through believers to this place that needs it. It is about beauty. It is about graciousness. It is about truth. It is about the virtues of God himself and the graciousness 
of His peace come in here through people like me and you, believe it or not. Seek the welfare of the city. Seek the the prosperity. I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to prosper you. That, that says, what is that word prosperity? Um, the ESV interprets it welfare. Well, it's just the word in the Old Testament. It's just the word shalom. Seek the shalom of the city. And, and what it means, it means the fullness of life that comes from God. That's what it means, fullness. It means Peace, well-being, blessing. It doesn't mean financial prosperity. It doesn't just mean some one favorable thing. It's kind of like God shows up. And His love shows up. And His truth shows up. And God created us to know Him and and to live. And and there was a garden. And there was unity. And there there was purpose. And then it was all destroyed. And and there are vestiges, of course. We are made in the image of God. We're made for restoration. We're made for things to click back together. But they click back together through the Son of God who came to, to, to redeem and to renew all things. You ready for this? Through us. Through you. The church is amazing. Do you care about the greater Jackson area? Do you want to seek its shalom? Or is it they can just have it? They can just have it. Are we willing to walk with the Lord together and care about the people around us so that this becomes a better place? Because God not only came to church, but God is being felt through his church in this city. You know, there's something beautiful about living for the welfare or the shalom or the prosperity of the place where God's put us rather than living against the city. I mean, far from, from, far from embracing where we are, embracing our place, so often we're, you know, we're out there in, in cyberland against the city, against everything. And our attitude is, it's so secular. Away with those people. Away with that. But you see, all believers in Christ have dual citizenship. Yes, you are a citizen of this state of Mississippi, unless you're visiting. If you live here, if God sent you here, you're a citizen of the greater Jackson area, but you are also citizens of the city of God above, citizens of heaven. And heaven comes to earth through Jesus Christ. And we are connected with heaven itself. And we have salvation. We have uh, that connection. And we bring something from the city above, the city of God, to this city. You know, if you have the city above or the city of God then you know you're going to have everything you need. You, you don't. The end game, it's all settled, right? And like if you already know the last chapter and it's going to be okay, maybe we could just relax a little bit and just quit clawing and grabbing a little bit and quit pushing away. And maybe we would actually, in, our, in that security and in the love that we have, maybe we could actually have that as something we could give to, to our city. I don't, if you didn't have Christ, if you didn't have citizenship in, in heaven, I don't know why you'd do it. But we do, 
And we have the gospel of Christ. We have the family of God. We have so much that people need. Another way of putting what God is saying in our text is that let's help our city become more like the city of God. Now, that's kind of what Augustine said. You know, he wrote that book about the city of God and the city of man. And kind of part of the role of the church is is not just to get people saved and to live behind that barbed wire fence, but maybe so that the city of man could become more like the city of God. There's something kind of exciting about that underneath, isn't there? There are possibilities there because God is saying, build, plant, do it, be all there. That's that's what I'm going to bless. And as you seek the welfare of the city, I will bless the city. And as I bless the place where I have put you, so also I will bless you. Maybe one thing God is saying here is that we shouldn't live... um, like what, I, what you might call parasites. You know, we should li- live like parasites. You know what a parasite is? You ever seen like a, I remember a nature show where like these sharks or whales, they had all these parasites just riding, riding on them. You know, just sucking the blood out of them. I don't know what they do. But um, they're just along for the ride. Everybody else does the heavy lifting. They're just along for the ride. And um, they take... And they don't give. And and our text is saying that believers should be givers in a place. Not takers. What does it look like to give in a place, in a church, in a city, in a town? What does it look like? Look to Christians. That's the model. Using the city that God has put us in is different from seeking the welfare of the city that God has put us in. You know, uh, one of my, like, sub-callings, I guess you'd say, is to, uh, whenever I can, to to go into uh, other cultures, particularly third and second world cultures, and and give something that I can give, which is um, knowledge, scriptural knowledge. You know, God is at work in the second and third world in a big way. But they really don't have a whole lot of scriptural knowledge and teaching. And so several years ago, I felt a calling just to go and take that time and and be a part of of giving to leaders of the church in those places. And y'all, they are so hungry for this knowledge. They're so humble. They're they're so interesting to me. And, And I've often thought, like getting back from one of those places, I've often thought, you know, we could learn a lot from those people. I think that maybe some of the keys to understanding this might reside in the third world a little bit or or maybe in those places where there's persecution because they have far less than we do and they seem to band together with other people better than we do and their family better than we do and they they seem their churches seem to be more cohesive uh, than than ours meaning in america and look i know they covet too i know that you know they they live in a hut with with two chairs and they're just dreaming of a third chair that reclines or something like that i get it we're all covetous doesn't matter if we live in the third world or not but you know what i think that there's some dominant themes in that culture that you and i have never dealt with like one of them is called survival 
And one of the dominant themes in that culture because of survival, those cultures, is something called interdependency. What it means is you actually need your family. They're not just like cool to have around. You actually need them. You actually need your friends. It really does take a village. That, by the way, wasn't Hillary Clinton didn't come up with that. That's an African sentence. It takes a village to to raise a child because that's the way they that's the way they live there. And uh, church is central and relational. And this is where they look. They don't they don't like dream of moving two countries over in Africa or two provinces over in China. This is where they're going to take their stand. This is where they've been for generations. It's where they're going to die. And when they come to Christ, it's where they want to be disciples. Now, they may not know as much as we do, and they might have some horrendous superstitions left over from their culture. But I'm going to tell you something. There is something very essential in what I have seen with my own eyes in those places that we could learn a whole lot from. We could discover purpose right here. Not in cyberspace, not in wishing we were somewhere else, not in just wanting to go to heaven, but right here we could discover purpose with the people that God has placed around us. And I need to be quick when I say this. You know, 70 years, all y'all going to die I'm going to bring you out, but it's going to be your children and your grandchildren, so find purpose here. Do you know that when Paul finally went out to be the apostle to the Gentiles, remember what he used to do, his pattern? He would go out to places like Thessalonica and other places way out from Jerusalem, and he'd say, is there a Jewish synagogue? And very often the answer would be yes. And he would go, and there would be all these people who had been taught for generations about monotheism and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all he had to do was say, now, as Paul Harvey would say, now let me tell you the rest of the story. Here's the Messiah. Here's who He is. Here's why it is. This is salvation. This is forgiveness. You can have God now. You can have Christ now. And you know the reason that Paul was able to connect those dots and salvation spread throughout the the, um, civilized world is because these people stayed in Babylon. And not only did they stay in Babylon when everybody everybody went home, only 10% of them went home. And they kept going out and out and they kept establishing synagogues. And so there was purpose, not only for their neighbors, not only for the Babylonians, not only for people to see what true religion looks like and they were trusting in the Christ to come, but also there was purpose that God used for the greater dissemination of the gospel that has bearing on why we have the gospel if you're a European descent. It matters where you live. It matters that we invest here. So settle down. That was way too much time on point one. Two is listen up. This is going to be short. Verse eight. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. God is saying you are listening to the wrong people. Folks, then and now, there's a reason false prophets are so popular. 
because they tell you exactly what you want to hear. They tell you that it really is about prosperity like financial prosperity and not just shalom and and well-being and peace in a relationship with God and all that flows from that. Jeremiah 28. Hananiah started prophesying. You know what he said? He stood up and he said, two years. You can read it later if you want to. Two years. We're going to be in Babylon. Two years. It's all going to be okay. Let's start dancing and celebrating God right now. Don't invest here. We're out of here. And they were like, Hananiah is my favorite prophet. God is saying, no. You listen to me. Don't listen to false prophets. Hananiah is wrong and and others. In Jeremiah 29, it is 70 years and you are not leaving. You want prosperity? God's prosperity, His blessing will be precisely in Babylon for you. So you might want to move there and show up for your own life where I've put you because you're not going anywhere anytime soon. That's a great message for us. Listen up. This is where I put you. And all these siren calls, hey, you can go as soon as I'm ready for you to go. And that could be six months from now. That could be six years from now. That really doesn't matter. What matters is is I put you here now. And you listen to me. God says, this is the way we're going to live here now. For as long as I have you here. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't that kind of take some of this, Oh Lord, what should I do? Oh Lord, where am I supposed to be? I mean, just walking around in a fog, wondering about the future. Stop it! Live in the gospel here. God is well capable of leading you and me and everybody else. God doesn't have any problem leading us. And He leads us a whole lot better when we're tuned in to His Word and we listen up and we learn how to live here and and the shalom of the city becomes our own shalom and if He wants you to move to North Dakota, He can handle that. I think there is a disease of discontentment that expresses itself in Christians with, well, I just wonder if there's something better for me. Stop it! That's Hananiah says that. Not Jeremiah. That's kind of comforting if you think about it. That kind of frees you up. So, settle down. Listen up. And then lastly, look ahead. Hey, there is a future. And it is a, a, it is a far... There's a horizon and there's beyond the horizon even. Finally, we get to the cross-stitch verse. And see, we just wanted to use it and just rip it right out of everything that we just said and say, oh, I know the plans I have for you and and this is a part of how we kind of work things for our own good. Well, God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. God is not Santa Claus. He's not a vending machine. All the above. You heard it all. I won't go into all that. If I were really in a bad mood, I would for like 20 minutes. But I'm happy today. I'm happy right here in Jackson today, right now. Verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for for Babylon, not in Babylon. Did you catch that? For Babylon. 
I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place, Jerusalem. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, for shalom, for prosperity, and not for harm, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God makes his plans. God knows his plans. God executes his plans right on time. It's great to kind of let God do the driving. Like, be God. Let me be your follower. Let me be the one who loves you and, and trusts in you. And I love how personal it is. I have plans. I will hear you. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will restore your fortunes. I will bring you back. I've got your future. And you can put your hope in me. Phil Riken put it this way. He's a friend of mine. He said, a Christian is someone who trusts in the promises of God for the future while acting upon them in the present. Let me say that again. A Christian is someone who trusts in the promises of God for the future while acting upon them in the present. See, it really is a both and, isn't it? There really is a a horizon type of taking us home, of delivering us. But there's also living right here in the grace of Jesus Christ, which is absolutely deliverance. Absolutely renewal. Now. Remember heaven's invading earth now? It's called the kingdom of God. And it's through ordinary people like me and you. And Jeremiah 29, 11 is still true. Hey, by the way, one thing is we do tend to personalize this. Like cross-stitch it and say this is about me for I know the plans I have for you. Declare the Lord plans for you and you. Y'all, you understand that the you there is plural. This is about Israel going to Babylon, Israel staying in Babylon, 70 years coming out. So like the best translation I can get is, is I know the plans I have for (laughs) y'all. Plans not to harm y'all, but to prosper y'all and to give y'all a hope in the future. And and, and when 70 years is done for for Babylon, because y'all have blessed Babylon, I will take y'all back home. One scholar says, actually, what God is doing, what God is always doing, is trying to have each of our lives caught up with the greater community of God's people, the people through whom God is always working to redeem the world. This must have been medicine for their souls. I will be there with you. And... I will take you home. Verse 12, you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. If you are a believer in Christ, you have it all. He who did not spare his own son, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? 
If you have put your trust in what Christ has done through His Son, the true Messiah, the true Deliverer, Jesus Christ, and His atoning death on our behalf to connect us with God in a real relationship, you have it all. And you don't need to go anywhere to have it. You have it all right where you are. You have God's love right where you are. You have God's forgiveness right where you are. You're His. You have the leadership of His Holy Spirit right where you are. And you know something? We can bring, and we need to live in that, don't we? And focus on that. But we can bring all that to bear right where we are. You think Jackson needs grace? I do. You think Jackson needs mercy? I do. You think Jackson, people in Jackson, Ridgeland, Madison, I'm talking about the greater Jackson area, you think they need relationship? I do. You think they need purpose? I do. You think all these people that think they're Christians because they're born in Mississippi actually need God? I do. We can bring all of that to bear right where we are. And then finally, one day, he will take us to our true home the city above, the city of God, the new Jerusalem, where joy and shalom will be unbroken. Settle down. Listen up to God's word. Look ahead and put your hope in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you said it. You said it in Jeremiah 29. And God, we don't want to listen to other voices we don't want to be the creators of our own meaning we want to hear your word we want to believe what you say but Lord we know it is more than anything about a relationship with you because you indeed are the one that sends us and you are indeed the, the person that the one who has us in a place Lord when you look at our hearts, you see people who are comparing themselves every day to a thousand other people's lives in their pictures and their bios. Would you forgive us for our discontentment? Lord, you look at us and you see people who hide behind a false spirituality of always wanting to know what your will is, but never doing your will where you've placed us. Lord, you look at us and what you really see are consumers. And we admit that this morning. And we repent and turn to you. Lord, would you bring people to the good news who do not have you this morning? You can put your trust in Christ today. And what he's done on the cross and turn from everything else and just put your trust for your salvation in Christ. The Lord, many of us have walked with you and, and it's just very dry. Would you cause us to put our trust yet again to actually place our lives yet again in your hands for your shalom here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.